So you're sitting in an empty stadium, completely empty stadium like this, as we are at the O2. Well, there's a couple of people milling around. This holds what, seven, just over 17,000? Yeah, 17,800. That's very precise. Yep, I know that. I've been looking at the numbers. <laughs> it reminds me of when I was last in a completely empty stadium, but this was totally empty, as in it was dead silent. I was the only living thing in the stadium. And it was back, oh, years and years and years ago. So before I was a professional player, so, okay, so I was a teenager. So how old then? Oh, I can't remember. I don't know, 14, okay. something like that. So I can't remember when they filmed it. Okay, so you're 14 and you're the only living thing in an empty stadium. Sounds yeah. like the start of a horror movie, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it is. I'm telling you, this is, this is, if I was going to write a horror movie, this is how it would start. And it was around the time when they were filming the film Wimbledon. And we've talked about Wimbledon before on the pod, the, the film. Your favourite film? The Paul Bettany film. Yeah, it's not. I'm I mean, sure, isn't there a moment in it that you said is like your favourite moment of all no. time? <laughs> That's ridiculous. No, I'm, no. I'm going to go no, back. Because we were talking about we it before, did. saying it was ridiculous how they went for a day trip down to Eastbourne in the middle of Wimbledon just to, for a Didn't date. did you find that? I'm sure it's like your favourite film or your favourite part uh, of your film. No, it's not at all. I just about managed to get my way through it once, but I made two <laughs> references to it. So maybe I liked it more than I want to I think so, admit. I think so. Uh, anyway, so they were filming the film there and Dom Inglot doubles player he's what he's top top 30 doubles player at the moment nearly made the o2 actually with his partner frank skugel my brother and him have been best buddies since they were they were tiny they they played together all the time and we were going to visit him on the set because he was the uh leg double for paul bettany just one leg or legs (laughs) (laughs) legs and feet just nothing above hips i don't know so the call came through dom fabulous tennis player but we just want your legs and feet Pretty much. So when they were getting their action shots of Paul Bettany playing tennis, which he couldn't really do, although he did try very hard. He's the legs. Uh, yes. And the feet. Exactly. And Dom was, this is before he was a professional player as well. So he was, he had to do loads of days there and was, yeah, he was, he was his tennis double, as it were. Legs wow. and feet double. Uh, basically, he's tall and blonde and had a similar build. Doesn't someone and call could play you? tennis. That Says, was also Naomi, key. we want you to be the legs and feet double of, I don't know, pick who you'd like to be a legs and feet double of. Oh, Anyone? I don't know. Anyone? Somebody super tall. Well, a tennis Graf? player. Maybe Steffi Graf. Yeah, that'd be great. Legs and feet double. So Dom. Well, not Steffi Graf because she can do it herself because she can play. That's the thing. You need to be a you need to be a tennis double of somebody who doesn't play. Yeah, actually, so she could probably do a good job. Some she? sort of actress. <laughs> so say Emma Stone. She was Billie Jean King, wasn't she, in the film? You could be her legs. So somebody would need to be her legs as she's playing tennis because she can learn to play tennis a, a bit. But I mean, it'd be rub- it would be rubbish for all of us pros if if they just kind of practice for six months and were suddenly amazing. This tennis is really quite yeah. straightforward, actually. Oh, I've accidentally qualified for the O2. <laughs> Everybody pulled out. I won a couple of matches at Paris, and here I am. Can you imagine? <laughs> so Dom is Dom is legs. Oh yeah, Paul so, Bettany's so legs. Dom, Dom's Paul Bettany's legs in the film. And we were going to visit him and I popped up into, just to take a look at Centre Court because I'd never been in there when it wasn't the tennis tournament at this time. I'd been in there I think once as a kid to watch a match, but way up the back. And I was like, oh, I can get close to the court here. This were you nice. on the court? Were you courtside? No. Oh, no, yeah, I can't go on the court. What's wrong with you? No, but you were courtside. <laughs> you get shot. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go on the court. Are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, so I popped down I was courtside. And there was an entire section, because obviously they were doing some filming in there, but they were not right at that moment. So there were some bits and bobs set up, some cameras and all sorts. 
And there's an entire section of the crowd, or of the seating, filled with people that weren't people. Thousands. I'm going to say over a thousand seats were filled with dummies. As in dummies? As in... So, <laughs> so people who weren't in, people. So they weren't people. No, so they were, they were dummies. <laughs> we established that, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, Is there an easier were, way to say this? Right. People who weren't people who were dummies. Yeah. Uh, no, you know were they mean? mannequins? Dummies. Yes, like mannequins, right? Because so they're in the seats... For they, they are they, they are the were shape they, of bodies. What were they made? Because you can get I'm not sure what they. But made you can of. get mannequins in shop windows that are quite rigid, or you can get blow up dummies. W- uh, something in between the inflatable two. Inflatable dummies. Uh, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't inflatables. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but they were somewhere in between the two. Um, yeah, they, they were soft. Anyway, any. Just how do you know they were soft? <laughs> so they were sat. So there's a thousand of them, basically. A thousand sat, soft dummies. Yes, and with wigs on and masks, really awful, scary, scary masks. This week, I've seen. I, I find masks quite scary. I, I just find they're quite. We've had the Federer mask. Not the Federer is scary, but when people wear the masks, they're just. It's everyone's seen them. They have members of the royal family. This week you've had Roger Federer. They have the eyes cut out and the piece of card, the string or the elastic around the head, but they sometimes wear it in the back of the head. So yeah. they've got their face and they turn around, there's it's another really face. really weird. I find that a little bit unnerving. It is really weird. Um, so did you have like lots of a thousand Roger Federers or Prince Williams in the crowd? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, those masks, you basically can get the Royals or Mr Bean for some reason. Every, anywhere in London. But for here at the O2, you can also get Federer. And doesn't yep. it, isn't it amazing how for a split second when you see them walking in front of you, you, you genuinely think there are three Roger Federers with Swiss flags draped over them and <laughs> And the ones you I just saw have a split kind of. The ones I saw had red tutus. Well, so they're yeah, quite, yeah, quite. grown men, Swiss flags <laughs> around the shoulders, red tutus, and the mask. Some on the front, some on the back. And you're right. You suddenly, if you're not paying attention, you suddenly look up. It's quite unnerving. It's a split second. It's 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 really odd. So anyway, oh, 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 hello. Oh, well, the, practice um, has just started. Oh yes. Um, oh, I, I know these guys of, of practice. I know these guys. They're pretty good, you know. Jack Sock and Mike Bryant. I think they probably requested the music. I think they've whacked in an iPod, actually. They've oh, hacked think, the stereo system. You think they put on their music? I reckon they've, they've whacked it on, yeah. It's the sort of thing they do. Anyway, so they're having so a little knock up. But right, let me get back to the story. So, what were the masks like? So, oh, not great. As in, just imagine a paper plate stuck to your face with some squinty eyes drawn on and That's a mask. It's like the start of a horror film. And a wig, just, a wig as well. I'm just imagining something from Halloween. Or that just really but it was. It was honestly the atmosphere was one of the scariest and creepiest things I've ever seen because from a distance you can't really tell. And you, you honestly, you're looking at a thousand people and it's dead silent, completely silent. Uh, and it was so creepy. And then there's a little gap in the middle of some seats for when the extras would come in and they would wave their arms and and then they did all the filming later, which I did actually have a look at where they'd say cheer and they'd all go where. Paul Bettany just hit an amazing. So the extras lead. sat together. And, yeah, you had a little, little group, and that was what was filmed. But in the background, you had all of the the dummies. So imagine if you're an extra sat there, and you look to your oh, right, awful. and there's this sort of white paper plate with little eyes on it, on this sort of soft, as you described it, a soft dummy with a wig on. It's really horrible, honestly. It was it was really scary. Anyway, that and, was someone's uh, job. That was someone's job. They came in that day, yeah. and their job was to place a thousand soft dummies. <laughs> what is the issue with, with them being soft? With I think we just needed to paint the picture of. Because some people might be imagining those mannequins. Is it better if they're rock in, hard? 
Is it? I don't understand. <laughs> a rock What's hard, the issue? Is a rock-hard dummy better than a soft dummy? It's not something, you know, the, if I'm honest. I'm, I've ever spent too much time thinking about The masks were the issue. I'm going to watch the film again now, though. Yeah, yeah, and you'll see the dummies in the background. It's just It was only for background stuff. When they're filming Dom's legs, there are some dummies in the background. That's the, the, that's the general gist. Anyway, and um, my, uh, my coach found a seat and snuck snuck in and sat down amongst the dummies and whacked a wig on couldn't find him honestly so is he in the film no no they weren't filming that time this This was just we were were milling around anyway totally creepy so there is something odd about um, empty stadiums but I'm glad it's completely empty here well it's not anymore well it was rudely interrupted by Jack Sock and Mike Bryan who think that they should have a a hit before their final It's, it's, it's quite incredible though isn't it that Jack Sock qualified 8th last year in the singles with that run to Paris and he's here in the final a year later he's 105 in singles but he's got the reciprocal wild card so he will be in the Australian Open main draw and he's in the final of the doubles at the tour finals with Mike Bryan I mean it's they only got together I think they've this is the what ninth tournament and they got together in May and two of those titles that they've won at Grand Slams yeah it's just ridiculous isn't it I mean, it's just ridiculous. And you know what? I know a lot of the talk has been about Jack Sock, but only Mike Bryan, the legend that is Mike Bryan, part of the Bryan brothers, could pull off something like that. Okay, Bob's significantly injured for the first time. They have had a couple of injuries along the way, but ultimately this is a really significant one. He had to have surgery and stuff, so it's a long time out. That's never really happened to them before. So, of course, Mike Bryan can, can just whack it out of a hat halfway through the season and think... Oh, what He's am I 40, do? Mike Bryan. He's the year-end individual doubles number one. Ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. And they're up against the French pair of Pierre-Hugo Bert and Nicolas Mahou, who've still got the, yeah, the Davis like Cup to contest. You're but a fan of them, aren't you? I think they're a great partnership. But I, there's, there's part of me with the Sock and Bryan. What a fairy tale it would be. How can oh, yeah. you win just a literal handful of singles matches in a year, starting the year in the top ten finishing outside the top 100 and be here about to win one of the biggest prizes in the sport in the doubles well okay now how does that work mentally we talk a lot about belief and the mental side of things how does that actually happen i've kind of tried to steer clear of this topic particularly on air although i might have to get to it in the i'm doing the final today doing dubs final but because there's no correlation between the two that's the thing between the two of what between doubles and singles, the tour there's, there's no correlation because look at look at the people who are in the in the tournament. Mike Bryan, the best doubles player out there, right? Number one in the world, year end number one in the world, won a couple of slams, best doubles player out there. If he goes and plays singles, what's his ranking going to be? He's not going to be in the top ten. It's not it, there's there's no correlation between the two, and I don't understand this kind of how can he do it in doubles because. It's a totally different thing. They're totally different people playing. It's not. It's, it's not. The, it's not the but same. I think, I think the big thing is, he started the year at world number eight. I don't think it's the fact. No, that, that, I think, that's I different. Think, I think people. I think people get it's very different. You've got a partner in crime. Some people prefer. Nick Kyrgios is very vocal. He loves playing doubles with his mates. He loves playing Davis Cup. He likes the team aspect. And I think Jack Sock quite likes having that team aspect about it. But he was a world's top ten singles player at the start of the year, and. And what happened in terms of he didn't suddenly forget how to play, but then suddenly remember how to play on the, on the doubles court. So. No, 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 but again, they're different things. He has absolutely lost all confidence on the singles court whatsoever. He's not. He has tried his absolute best through the year. But how does winning Wimbledon track. in doubles not somehow spill over 
into your belief on the singles court. Well, because then you could say to Mike Bryan, like, why haven't you tried giving singles go? You're winning all these doubles grand slams. Surely that equates to winning matches in slams and singles. Do you think it's that t- totally but, but different, especially think, for a yeah. player like Jack Sock, who has been at the top of his game in both? Because Mike, the Bryan brothers have pretty much been double players. The decision was made yeah, very, okay, very fine. early well, on take, to focus on let's that. Let's take your Frenchies then. Herbert and Mahou have been fantastic singles players, but their singles career does not in any way match their doubles career. They are Grand Slam champions in doubles, and they have been ranked right up at the top of the game. It's not... That's almost like saying to them, kind of like, okay, you're ranked 50, you're ranked 50 or they've been kind of ranked 100 when they've been in the top few in doubles, and say, okay, okay, maybe they've been focusing more on doubles at that time but that's like saying great you've got all this confidence in doubles now focus on singles and you should get to top 20 so I don't get it it's not the same by saying that can he not take any confidence from this year in doubles into a singles next year because from you saying that they are so separate that nothing he's done this year with Mike Bryan will be able to help him in the singles I genuinely don't think it will that's incredible. Because I, I genuinely don't think it will because... He's won two Grand Slam titles. No, and do you know what? He said after they won their semi-final that it's got him through this year, which is really important because he was like, it's yes. been an awful year in the singles court. And if he didn't have the success with doubles, if Bob hadn't got injured and he wasn't playing with Mike and he hadn't done all of this, then he would have been in a pretty dark place because it's been really hard for him because his singles career has fallen to pieces I mean it has this year I mean if we're being honest he's gone from what 8 to 105 I mean it's potentially it could have been 150 if he didn't win matches in Paris I mean that was that was really scary then but it just disintegrated and that's nothing to do with the doubles that, that happened separately and then He's got this has got him through this year, but in terms of kicking off next year, he needs to go and train and sort out his singles game. Surely he can take. I'm determined he's going to take something. He can take confidence. He can take confidence from coming out here. He's still singles or doubles court. He's still hitting forehands, backhands. I'm making it very simple now. Forehands, backhands, volleys, serving. He's getting that. He can always do that. But this is the thing. He's getting that winning feeling. He's. But but players ranked 400 who are never going to go more than 400 can hit singles. Can hit serves. No, but he can hit forehands and backhands. He can hit forehands that that actually put a hole through you. Yeah. So that's slightly different. He can't do it in singles because because he's not setting up the points right because he's lost any confidence with how to construct points how to win points so can he um, not take I don't see why he can't take the confidence from this year and put that into the singles at some level because he has no confidence in singles he can take confidence from winning a couple of matches back to back in Paris he has no confidence in singles it's It's totally different I think that's incredible Uh, honestly for me I in terms of doubles helping your singles yes if you need to improve your serve and your return and your volleys like it's great so it's helping no but he doesn't need (laughs) to improve them because they haven't gone anywhere that's not why his singles rankings dropped he hasn't dropped off his singles ranking gone do you know what I need to improve my volleys so I want to get my singles what if it's simply I'm not saying he fell out of love with the singles game but I'm sure by the end of the year he probably didn't like it that much what if it's we talk about Novak Djokovic and, and the spark died he, after he completed the career Grand Slam in Paris I know there were lots of different things but he was trying to get that passion and where do I go in that direction what about Jack Sock just that fire being relit from the doubles and that winning feeling and being on tour and part of a winning team Can he, I'm going to find something can he take that into singles? <laughs> it hasn't happened so far 
why didn't why didn't it happen after Wimbledon when he then went to the US Open series? Well, no, I don't. I'm asking you because <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no there's, there, honestly there is no connection whatsoever. Otherwise, you would have all of these doubles guys going out and doing well in singles. There's no connection because the thing is, right? Your doubles get playing doubles can improve your singles. Can you commentate on what they're doing right now? I mean, they're, they're just having a laugh is what they're doing they're trying trying to get the ball to go up and over the scoreboard without touching it because I think Jack Sock might want to try and do that in the final because it counts if you don't touch it it's fine you just carry on Dominic Team did a shot like that and it just went straight over I think that one stuck in the midst yeah they've lost a few balls now they might fall out during the final (laughs) one thing we know is that Bob Bryan said he's back in January and Jack has known all along that the Bryans, of course, they're going to come back together. They were doing so, so well. They were in a qualifying place before Bob's injury. So we know that's going to happen. So it's not a case of having to make a decision whether to stay with Mike or not. That decision sort of be made. His phone is going to be ringing constantly with people saying, do you want to play doubles? Do you want to play yeah. doubles? Do you want to play doubles? Now, so you're, you were coaching him. What would your advice be going into 2019? Seeing as though doubles doesn't make a jot of difference to singles. Seeing... As this is a a podcast and I'm allowed to say what I think, I will. <laughs> Everybody if, get ready. If I'm if I'm Jack Sock's coach, I'm really happy with what he's done in doubles this year for his own mental well being, like he talked about. It it's it's really important. I wouldn't change it for the world. However, if I'm purely looking at his singles game, the fact that he's done so well in doubles has probably delayed his singles game back getting back on track because because if he wasn't doing that if he wasn't playing with Mike and wasn't playing any doubles he would have had the time to reset he has to go away start again get back on the court relearn how to play singles under get his confidence back up and then go out there and do it again and that could have started six months ago but he was busy winning slams and doubles and stuff and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that I think that's fantastic that I think that's brilliant for him and I'm really pleased he's done that but as a as a he now needs for Mike to go back with Rob oh is someone is someone playing with the volume control oh hello has it ever been this this guy he's right in front of us I think he needs to pull the volume down a bit 70 decibels I think it works can you see is that 70 decibels is it coming down now is he going through his checks yeah he's doing his doing his volumes we're going to have to sneak down and tell him I think it's quite incredible though and I might Wait, just that, be does looking. Does that not make any sense? What, what, what I was trying to say before. Yes and no. I think. In a, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> he's up to eighty. Uh, I think maybe he just likes this song. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, this is very loud. I think he's just he's just chatting to his friend to his right there. Wow. Yes. I'm waiting for oh, the next yeah. part Oh, yeah. There of we that. go. The announcer's practicing now as well. But if I'm, you hadn't gathered. I was just waiting for the next <laughs> part of that. I did see Rob Curling, who people will be able to. We've done a special podcast with oh, Rob yes. Curling. Oh, it's such a great chat. And that's going to be coming up in the next few weeks. It, it might be next week. We're leaving it up to our producer, Abby, to decide when the specials go out but that was a really interesting chat with Rob I think I think I find the Jack Sock thing fascinating because I'm sure a lot of people will be thinking 
Okay then, he's had extraordinary success playing on a tennis court, training, practicing, hitting shots. He will be hitting, but in different patterns on a singles court. Therefore, he's set up perfectly for 2019. But I think it's really interesting what you're saying is that it might have set him back because he's not practicing what he should have been. And, and almost, you're not saying it as completely as this, but this year doesn't count. Well, it doesn't count in his singles. No, no, it's not... It's not... Um, Look, of course, look, what he's done is fantastic, and I'm not in any way taking away from it, but the reason his ranking has fallen off is not because his forehand's not great or because he's lost his serve or his volleys. All of those things have always been there. They haven't gone anywhere. It's about the feeling on the court. When you stand in the middle of the court by yourself and you, you, you kind of, you, you, you can sense and see the angles. You see different shapes on the court. You have a feeling. You can feel the space, the space around you. And it's how vulnerable you feel. And sometimes you have times when you're low on confidence. You walk onto the court and you feel tiny. You feel like the spaces are huge. You just can't possibly close them down. You feel like the other end of the court is so tiny. You can't get the ball where you want to go without missing. So how does what he's been doing on the doubles court not enable him to take some confidence and belief onto the singles court because it's totally different because it's because because as I say he's like you said he's been out there hitting shots but then he's not been out there experiencing the feeling and addressing that as a that as a thing and that's and that's what he needs to do it's Surely this is making sense to someone. Anyone? Nope. If anyone could hear any of that conversation, please tell me somebody's on my side. <laughs> no, it, it, I'm it, just it's... looking at it purely because it's about that feeling on the court, that, that feeling of no confidence. I've had it the other way around where I feel so confident on a singles court that I've been absolutely flying and I'm like, I know exactly what I'm doing. It's great. Go on a doubles court and I used to feel so intimidated when I was serving by that volley being there I used to feel like I've got such a small channel to hit because ultimately you've got to hit it between your partner who's the volleyer and the volleyer at the net and if they were really close I'm thinking I've got to get my serve on the juice side my lefty serve on the juice side is really hard because it it swings the opposite way to the way I need it to swing and I would, and I would just miss. I just couldn't get serves in because that feeling of that tight space. I'm, and on the doubles court when I was returning the feeling of the tight space to hit into I was kind of like I need my freedom. I need to feel that I have spaces and I have room. Oh, we're back again. We're back. Oh. Oh, it's me. Gigi Sammy Cavaday. From Blackheath, Hattie Jackson. Round of applause. So we are going through... We are going through rehearsals. The day of the final. The final is not for a good couple of hours. That'll be the doubles final. But they've got to make sure everything is set and prepared. And they've got to test levels. And they've got to run a few things. It looks like something is being filmed at the far end of the court. Presentation is being made. And Jack Stocker, Mike Bright. No, I. you know what? People listening. I, I do understand. I just find it difficult not to believe because you're pretty much saying this doesn't count and I just find it difficult towards the singles yes but but I find it difficult to believe Uh, if we leave the, the, the actual tennis aside I find it difficult to believe that not even confidence or belief can be taken from this because it's, it's like it's, it's just a different sport basically in terms of that it's just you can have you can get more look Alex Vera, oh thank goodness. Should we do all that again? Should we go through no, that again? I think it was for the TV thing. I hope they don't need to run through it again. They're filming some sort of entrance. I don't know what's going on. 
No, it's, it's interesting, and it'll be interesting. There'll be people listening who, who, th- who are thinking about what I'm saying, saying, oh, just stop it, Naomi's making complete sense. But I hope there's a couple of people, at least, who agree that... And on the tennis side of things, I'm not going to go into your backyard, as it were, because you've been there, you've been out the court. For me, it's more the kind of... But if I can take, if I'm feeling confident and I feel belief in what I'm doing, maybe in commentary, I can use that into a different area of what I do. I can, if I'm feeling confident and have the belief, and then I go and do something completely separate that's, that's not commentary in a box with people I'm very comfortable with and I'm put on and I'm presenting something or hosting something, I will take the confidence and belief in that. Although it's a completely different skill and suddenly I'm talking to hundreds of people in front of me staring at me and I'm having to do a very different job if I'm feeling confident and I have a great week at the O2 and I'm feeling great I will go into that although it's completely different skills I'm not going to start doing ball by ball in front of them because there's nothing to do it from I will have belief and confidence so I think from my from the sort of layman's point of view it's like I would think that surely there's that aspect that he could take thinking I had a great year it was different but look what I was doing and I feel great and I was winning I can do this just to build yourself that's the only area I'm coming at it from that side of yeah, things yeah and I and I understand that and in, in as I said in terms of for his mental well-being he is much happier and a much more confident person right now than if he had not been playing doubles so that is something he can take well, yeah, but I already I said that at the very beginning. Well, you sort of did, but said it's so. But you, then you said talk. it's you said it's a completely different sport, and therefore it wouldn't really correlate if he was feeling happy and all the belief here to take that to the singles. Yeah, in terms of in terms of when you look at playing the game, it does not it, it doesn't correlate. Like, we need to sit down with Jack, don't we, and have a little chat? Yeah, and but I I think you would feel get the same thing as I say. For me, I had it in the opposite way, and I used to feel so not confident at all playing doubles a lot of the time as I say because the spaces were so small and I was thinking I I need my freedom to really go into that space even though I was quite I could play accurately and 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 you just you just feel like you can't do anything you feel like you can't breathe and and then you go onto the singles court and you and you just kind of feel like ah okay right I've got my I've got my range I can rip it here I can do this I can do that and it can dramatically affect how you feel and for Jack I think it's probably the complete opposite when I've seen him playing singles he looks like he is playing uh, he looks like his end of the court is twice as big that he needs to cover and he doesn't know how to cover it and he looks like that the far end is half the size and he can't hit it because it's tiny and you do have that feeling sometimes and and uh, as I say, doubles can't change that. Doubles won't help that. Doubles actually would only make it worse because the more you get used to having different angles and different spaces, you need to immerse yourself in that uncomfortable feeling and address it. And what I'm saying is that by playing so much doubles and having so much sets, success, he is delayed. <laughs> success. <laughs> he has delayed doing that. And there's nothing wrong with that because he's a happier guy because of it. And I think that is more important than anything else. But I'm just talking purely about the tennis. Winning this tournament does not mean he's going to win more matches in singles next year. Absolutely not. I think it's interesting. No, it's, it's an unpopular it's, opinion, it's, I think. Uh, no, no, it's, it's really interesting. I think it's, uh, it's going to be... Because I, I guess the other thing is, with relation to Jack, so no one knows because... This is the first time. I mean, it's been spectacular, hasn't it? That fall in the singles, and but then. Do you remember? Sorry, sorry, but do you remember when Heather Watson won the mixed doubles at Wimbledon? Yes. Henry Continent. 
She was having a bit of a rough time in the lead-up and she had a really hard match. She, she hadn't won many matches in singles. She had a really tough match with women. I think she had a few match points and lost. I remember covering that match. And, and uh, everybody was a little concerned about her because she made some comments. And I, look, I, I, I'm good friends with Heather and I will, whenever I see her, I chat to her and that sort of thing. So I, I hope I'm not saying anything out of turn. This is all quite well known. But in her press conferences, she was talking about immersing herself in the negativity of Twitter and all of this abuse because she felt so low after a match and you know people were a little concerned about that it wasn't wasn't a nice thing to hear from somebody that they were that upset and she'd been struggling so much so she then went and won the mixed doubles I mean literally that week or the following week won the mixed doubles with Henry Continent uh so two things it works both ways as you can see there it's an entirely different thing because she was not in any mental headspace to play a singles match and do well after that but she could then go and win the mixed doubles which is great and I'm so thrilled that she did that and again for her mental well-being and for her positivity and just her and her life best thing that could have ever happened to her and well it didn't happen to her she did it she did it with Henry like nothing happened to her she achieved that and it's fantastic and then everybody was saying and the amount I remember hearing it I think I probably even chipped in and said something like you know, well, hopefully this will spur her on to then have a good rest of the season. It didn't. It didn't It didn't impact her singles. She went back onto the singles court and probably felt even more bare and even more exposed and even more vulnerable because she wasn't with a partner. Like that, that's, that's what I'm trying to get no, at. No, no, it's really interesting. And I think, it, I think a lot of people... Now he's got the reciprocal wild card for the Australian Open. I think... And he's going to end the season, whether they win or lose the match today, on a high, mentally, that uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to see I think a lot of people are waiting to see because you speak to all lots of different people and, and I think everyone's just waiting to see because he's young he's what 26 Jack Sock so I think everyone's waiting to see if if he continues to play doubles with someone else he focuses on singles what happens I, 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 think, I it's, think he'll reset I think he'll scrap the doubles Michael go back to Bob he'll reset and he'll be back up to the top 20 in singles not necessarily by the end of next year well but he hasn't we got will. any points to defend so he's got the clear do you know what he's got every the clear time run. you lose first round you have a chat with it. You chat, chat with your coach about the match. It was a disaster, wasn't it? Awful. And no matter who you are, and at the end, if you're a coach, you should always say, well, "At least you don't have any points to defend this week next year," because it does. It makes you think, kind of like, "Oh, when I get to this week next I year, just, I hope I'm playing well." I just go for it. I, got, I mean, Jack Sock has got a clear run of singles in 2019. Oh, he can. He can only. He's go just. Up. He's just going to clean up and go for it. It's. It's really fascinating. It's been interesting watching their practice. The French pair will come out a little bit later. They're. Uh, are they playing? They are bowls. rolling the ball. Yeah, they're basically playing bowls. So they're rolling the ball from the net and seeing who can get it close to the baseline. Oh, I think I think that was Mike. That was that was Mike Bryan. It was oh, they go, they're, they're, they're reaching up for an assessment here. Oh, I uh, Mike Bryan is down on his hands and knees examining. I think that's someone got it on the baseline. Good work. I think that is very very impressive. So they're ending they're ending with a little bit of bowls. You know, you talk about the. The worries of social media and people sending things. I got quite a surprise the other night. Remember, this is oh, Naomi. Well, people have been abusing this tennis. Is, no, this is Naomi who doesn't <laughs> like texting. It was, was it about one o'clock in the morning? And I, oh. I, I, rec- <laughs> I received a message. From and me. It, uh, from you. And it was a, well, not a message. It was a picture. It was a picture of a wonky aubergine. Yes, wonky aubergine. We were... Well, we were having the conversation. Uh, I think we should just leave. Don't put context. I think we just leave it think, like that. No. Should we just put the picture of the wonky aubergine up? <laughs> no, you were talking a, about wonky veg. I get a box delivered of 
Uh, oh, hang on. We better watch out here. Jack's playing some sort of with the handle cricket. of his racket. Oh, it's rounders. baseball. Baseball. Base. Right. He's American. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Rounders. He's very good. At, I'm telling you, that is really hard to do. So basically, his coach is bowling the ball at him, or just pitching the ball at him, maybe because I don't know baseball. And Jack's sock is it's using good. the grip of his racket and is leathering. Do you think if we wave, he'll try and get one over here? He. I can't believe he. I mean, this guy's. A, that is incredible. This guy, see, this is this is what we were talking about. He hasn't lost his talent. His talent's still there. You don't need to work on the game. The game's fine. You just got to work on him playing. What was the question? Wonky aubergine. Wonky yeah. aubergine. Yeah, I get a box delivered of vegetables every couple of weeks, and it's all the wonky fruit and veg or odd fruit and veg that would get thrown away. So a third of fruit and veg gets thrown away because it's the wrong shape or wrong size or something like that. And so people have now started going and getting that veg and then delivering it. So kind of helping the environment. And I mean, basically, veg is just either a little bit wonky, like me, like me aubergine. How wonky is your wonkiest veg bean in your box? Not very wonky. It's normally the sizes. It's all normally a weird shape. So we have a parsnip that's not parsnip shaped. So we're kind of looking at it going, what is this? It just It's kind of shaped like a carrot. Didn't you have like tiny avocados? Teeny tiny avocados. Had about, got six teeny tiny avocados. That was great. I really feel for the people who are clearing up in the, the stadium because the whole of Jack Sox team have just got a box of balls and are teeing balls into the stadium. I think we might get one. Basically, they're playing a game. They're aiming for a sign and they're, they're all trying to hit it. Uh, and they're getting... Oh, I think they're trying to hit the Lacoste sign above us, just to the right. Oh. Oh. They got it. Oh, that was so close. That was so close. So anyway, there are going to be plenty of balls to find for the crowd at the O2. They've been hit by Jack Sock. Uh, yeah, so not particularly wonky veg, but weird shape. So I got six teeny tiny avocados and I got I toasted a piece of soda bread and I had to put, I think, two avocados just to cover one little piece of soda bread. It was so small. And then I have like giant peppers and that sort of stuff. So, yeah. I'll bring you a wonky aubergine. Uh, Jack Sock's now taking requests, by the way. There was someone courtside that asked him to hit a certain something. Should we, get, should we wave? Get him to do it up here. Hang on. Should we see if we can get him up here? Have a little well? wave. I mean, everyone's having a go Honestly, now. Honestly, I'm talking... There's going to be about 100 balls just somewhere in the crowd for the, the doubles match. Did your waving so work? It didn't, did it? No, somebody else is waving. Oh, and they caught it. Oh, nice job. The big thing for these players, barring the French pair who take part in the final because they've got the Davis Cup final next week, it's holiday time. How did you feel at the end of the season, whatever tournament, wherever you were, when you knew Alex de Menor sent a tweet saying two weeks, no tennis at all? What was that feeling like when you knew, even if it's a little bit of time, no tennis? It was a weird feeling because... You also know that after the holiday, you're going to come back and be so unfit and then go into the most brutal... Were you very brutal... disciplined in the off-season? When I went on holiday? Yeah, but it was it was stupid to do that. Though. But I used to run and stuff when I was on holiday and do kind of my prehab and core and that sort of stuff because I didn't want to lose it. Because I always really struggled to maintain my fitness. It dropped off really quickly in comparison to other people. But it was stupid because mentally I didn't get a break. Even if you're just doing a few bits and bobs, you just need a whole week to just shut down. Sometimes, hopefully, two weeks is ideal. 
uh, and you it's worth coming back really unfit just again for your mental well-being and your mental because that shows that you switched year. off and you've relaxed exactly you, you switched you should come back out of shape and you should have a fitness trainer a strength and conditioning coach just eyes lighting up and going oh we're gonna run that holiday out of you <laughs> I think whether you're a tennis player or not, we'd all love that. We'd all love to have Christmas, indulge, do whatever, and then have a conditioning coach and a fitness trainer waiting for oh, us the other I don't side. Know. It's pretty awful, pretty brutal. I mean, the, the preseason training is is mine was pretty pretty nuts. What a typical day! You cut your first day preseason. What was it? So I did a preseason out in Florida. Um, I often went to Bonaterre's, um in Bradenton. Uh, so I did one. I was with Heather Watson, and there's, there's loads of players around. But me and Heather were kind of doing it together. So away. I mean, it alternates different days. But you, the, the first week is just physical. You wouldn't touch a racket. The second week will be physical plus potentially start work on the specifics so you want to approach every pre-season with I have one thing I want to come back to 2019 the following year better at one thing whether just it's, one thing well there's just not enough time and this so you pick just not one specific thing you should that you're be gonna... able to do more but there's not enough time so you really pick, pick one specific you may pick two but if you pick more than that you're just going to go you, you can't make the improvements so you have to be specific so say you're working on your serve then in the second week you'll continue just doing your fitness block and start looking at the technical work on the serve that you're trying to change or on the return or on the backhand forehand volleys or the movement whatever it is that you're doing there are so many different things you could do if that's your main focus and it's right right we've got four weeks of training and by the end of the four weeks you are going to have a much higher success rate on your body jam backhand return then that's what you need to so you need to start cracking on with understanding the footwork patterns or the different swing shapes or whatever you're changing so that will come in but really the bulk of the work is still physical and then week three you'll then start doing basket feeds of whatever you're doing along with physical and then weeks four four and five hopefully but probably four then you're kind of doing it all uh that's what i mean roughly roughly you know you want to get enough tennis in there but it's mainly a physical block but you just imagine the players now the season's over that excitement of just getting away for a week or two or this is when you go on social media and you see pictures of them all over the place just making the most of that time when they're not playing tennis you kind of imagine that at the end of this they've got a suitcases packed and it's from i don't know greenwich in london to wherever they're going in the world just to and it's to kind of get away from everybody and your team because you travel so closely together so we've all had a wonderful week together we're gonna have a little bit of space now aren't we yeah <laughs> and we're gonna you're running away you've got you brought your suitcase in you're yeah, running no, I'm, I'm ready to go as <laughs> soon as the last ball i'll say bye but it's no I, it's uh be great fun though, hasn't it this week oh it's amazing oh i just love this week it's one of my favorite tournaments they just do it so well I mean, look, I'm biased, but I kind of hope it stays here for forever because I just want to come here every year. Hopefully, wherever it moves to, we'll still <laughs> go there. But it just, I love it being in London because... And it's not about it being in London. I mean, it, it could be anywhere in the world, but it's just the way they put it on, the crowds we get. I just think it's fantastic. It, I, I just, I couldn't do it better. Shall we go and have a... A farewell team lunch. Yeah, let's. So go and round them up. Oh, don't make it sound so sad. Might be emotional. We'll still be tennising though for a while. We've got some specials recorded. We've got some specials, so we'll still be tennising and we'll be getting together and then might be allowed our. 
Christmas break, possibly two weeks. Off-season. Off-season. <laughs> and then uh, what are we going to be we're working? We're going to give the listeners a break to mentally refresh, and then, reset, <laughs> and then they can come back. Okay, so what's the one thing we're working on for the new oh, season? <laughs> Uh, well, well, I'll crack. What in terms of as broadcasters? Or, I don't know. Well, I'll crack on with my lead stuff. Okay, lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing a lot of lead, lead stuff rather than just kind of sitting and chipping in, taking more of a so lead role. So Naomi's going to be running the podcast, and I'm. Oh, what in the give pod- you oh, my no, no, expert no, you're in charge view. Of the podcast. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's let's do that. You oh. work on give, giving your oh. expert opinions, particularly on Jack Sock. I enjoyed that. <laughs> And, uh, and I'll work on my interviewing technique. I can't tell you the answer. look she just gave me there when she said that last <laughs> sentence. It was mildly terrifying, <laughs> which is why we're having an emotional lunch and then a farewell. <laughs> oh, it's been fun. And hopefully it'll continue to be so. <laughs> <laughs>